0: More than enough. He's more than enough. Hallelujah. I'm excited about the word. I'm excited about the message. I've been asking the Father to restore my joy for the word. And he's been doing it. Before I get into, start getting into the message, I do want to say this because we do have some up and common people that will be teaching on Wednesdays. So what I want to say is, if you're going to serve in any capacity, I don't care if you're laying hands on people for praying, I don't care, just, um, I want that music in the background very low. Um, If you're going to be teaching the word, even if you're going to be uh, in children's church, but especially if you're going to be behind this pulpit teaching, my advice for you is to make sure that you deal with your heart. Make sure you deal with your heart. Let that be inclusive in your prayers because... The last thing you wanna happen is that you have these built-up things in your heart and your teaching because it's gonna come out through your teaching and you don't want it to come out through your teaching because the people are eating from your heart. Amen. And not only that, the spirit can't move like he needs to move when there's things in your heart. So that is my advice to all those that will touch the mic and knows that it will serve in any form or capacity. Make sure you include that in your prayers that you allow the Father to deal with the issues in your heart. Amen? Amen. Amen, amen. amen. All right, all right, all right. Ooh. Can you bring the music down just a little bit more? Yes, yes. All right, we are continuing with the wisdom for daughters of God. Amen. 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 and I definitely have a word for you today it's a It's a much needed message and it's not talked about often and it needs to be talked about more than what we hear. But let me pray first before I get into the word, Father, I thank you right now that you have came in our midst. I thank you for what you're doing in each and one of our lives, Father. We thank you, Father, for all the love, Father, and all the comfort and the gifts and the correction and the pruning, Father, that you give us that makes us legitimate children. We thank you right now, Father, as you use me, Lord God. Allow your spirit to move through me, Father, like you desire to do, Father. And I thank you right now, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Ooh, it's good to see everybody. Well, let me start with James. We're gonna start with James, one and twenty-seven. Now, I usually start with the title of the message, but that will come. We're gonna start with James, James one and twenty-seven. Let me get James 1 and 27 up here. Should be the next slide. Uh Uh-uh, no, it should be the next slide. Yes, James 1 and 27. And it says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, one of the primary schemes of Satan has always been to create a fatherless world by eroding the foundations of society and creating a dark urban landscape of rebellion and lawlessness. While the father of lies seeks to what? Murder and destroy families. The true father, the one whom our brother, Jesus, came to reveal is busy working in the opposite direction. In the Bible, he is constantly described as the father to the fatherless and the defender of widows. In the Old Testament, King David had this revelation of the character of God, and that's in Psalms 68 and 5. And it says, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling." God sets the lonely and families. He leads the prisoners with singing. So it is no mystery that Christ in the body of Jesus taught, developed, and began with 12 apostles to birth out the church. He started with spiritual fathers to birth out prophets to birth out pastors, to birth out teachers, to birth out evangelists, in order to tend to the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. So, if a foundation is not set, then how can you build? And what you build, will it be able to stand? Amen. Amen? Amen. So. It is for this reason that this topic is of utmost importance. Today's message is from the Orphan Issues and Women's mini series titled, give me the title here, The Cultural Lie. Who told you we don't need fathers? The Cultural Lie. Who told you that we don't need fathers and we begin this lesson let me say this let me do a disclaimer now this word <laughs> is probably gonna cut you every single way <laughs> but it needs to be said somebody has to talk about it so even though this is for daughters tonight This is definitely going to hit you fathers. And if you're not a father yet, it's going to hit you some kind of way. Amen? Because you're a man. So we start tonight with the effects of natural fathers on their daughters. The effects of natural fathers on their daughters. So we'll do it in this order. We'll talk about the effects of natural fathers on their daughters. Then we will go into more spiritual aspects of the spiritual fathers that God has given us in the church. But we start with our natural fathers first. Now, the effects of natural fathers on their daughters. So we're talking about daughters who suffer from dad deprivation. Amen? And I should, yes, I have a slide for you up there. Now, daughters who suffer from dad deprivation, we'll just give you a few facts first. They grow up feeling very unsure of their femininity and self-worth. Daughters who suffer from dad deprivation in the absence of a father, they doubt how attractive they look and how value they are. And in return, this turns them to a lot of times overachieving in sports, sometimes in academics, in order to attract attention and praise. It also leads to a confusion on their identity. And the absence of the father makes the daughter to search for the void to fill it, but most times it gets filled with inappropriate and harmful behavior. So, imagine this, imagine, and this is a very simple example, imagine if you didn't know what a fork looked like, and someone told you to go get them a fork so they can eat, and you're searching. You're searching like, I don't even know what a fork looked like. <laughs> You're searching for it. And so you're more apt to get into other things and choose other things, which may be inappropriate because you don't know what a fork looks like. So this is literally exactly what it looks like, that daughters are literally searching for something, a void. They know it needs to be filled, but they don't know what it is. So... Some women that have dad deprivation may become more drawn also to older men to take care of them in order to replace that father void. And in more extreme measures, some women turn to prostitution, stripping, even though this, of course, is a warped and twisted form of love. So daughters with no fathers often have trust issues with men and their hearts turn resentful towards them and towards actually um, women for unrighteous relationships while others end up marrying men like their fathers. You can fall in both categories. And when those relationships go bad, they become bitter, because that void can only be filled by Abba's love now. Amen. And during this process of dad deprivation, most women end up after being hurt by their fathers, they develop what I call frozen feelings. And they use this as a survival mechanism. And others that don't use the frozen feelings as a survival mechanism, they end up feeling too much. (laughs) And they begin to turn to drugs, alcohol, food, and sex, in order to not to feel, and those things become an anesthesia to them. So now, not every woman had a bad father. So I want to make that clear. Not every woman had a bad father. But there are far too many women who do today for us to ignore the issue. So what we're getting ready to go into, and this is part of the, the, what I try to prepare you for, what we're getting ready to go into is the seven character images of the father in the nation. Seven character images of the father in the nation. Now, we're talking about natural fathers. There Now, there may be more... Images out there, but I'm going to talk to you about the seven character images that are out there right now Saying that this is the image out there now that's representing our natural fathers And the first one that we want to go over is the unnecessary father the face of the unnecessary father Now, the unnecessary father, this image is the primary story in the American cultural script. It is the one that assumes that fathers are unnecessary and needless and obsolete. It casts the image that says single mothers can bring up a child just as effectively as a married mother. This is the image that the world believes to be true. But I'm here to tell you that the face of the unnecessary father is a cultural lie that says fathers aren't necessary for bringing up and maturing their children. Amen. Amen. Now we're getting ready to go into the second character image that's out there of our fathers. And this second image is the old father. The old father, O-L-D, the old father. Now, I don't mean old father in the terms of age, but this is the image. Now, this is the image of the 1950s father. The, you know, the one who is always busy working, He's the breadwinner, but oftentimes he is emotionally distant from his family. This is what we call the part time dad, influencing his children, and his wife's primary role is the housekeeper. Now, this father is physically absent and he's emotionally unavailable. He will often act as a tyrant, and he will engage in manipulation and control. Because of this type of father, daughters develop bitterness in their heart for him putting his work before them. And this is really how the feminist movement was birthed out. It was birthed out through the 1950s old father dad or this old father image the one that just worked too much and so the feminist movement was birthed out through this type of father and these women failed to see that just because your father was distant and emotionally uninvolved not all men are this way amen amen now we're going into the third image And this is what we call the new father. The new father image. Now, of course, the new father image is a friend to his children. He helps out with all the chores in the house, right? (laughs) He, He helps mom do what he can do. He is deeply involved with his family. He even wears his heart on his sleeve. He is opposed or opposite to the old father image, so he is what the culture would call a cultural hero. Now, who wouldn't want a father like this, right? Right? Wrong. (laughs) Wrong. (laughs) The new father image is also destructive to the family and a contribute to the fatherlessness in the nation, and I'll tell you why. He seemed like he doing pretty good, but I'll tell you why he contributes to the problem. The cultural story of the new father is one in which shows that fathers are being indistinguishable from mothers that the concept of fatherhood is actually being emasculated. The new father image creates an androgynous image which means part male, part female. And while the tenderness of the new father is actually an essential quality of fathering, it is wrong to treat paternity the same way as you treat maternity. They are not synonyms. So, insisting that men become more like women is not the answer to fatherlessness. The new father image is literally a castrating of the male's image to conformity of a female's image, which is wrong and is unbiblical since the beginning. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now we're going to get into one that you probably hear too much about, and you probably wish you didn't. And we, and that is the deadbeat dad or the deadbeat father. The deadbeat dad or the deadbeat father. Now, quite simply, as you know, this is the dad that is never there. He refuses to pay for the upkeep of his children. And he's sometimes often in and out of prison. In the cultural script, he is the villain the failed father who pops up frequently in our cultural stories. His contribution is massive to the fatherless problem because he does not care or support for his children on a regular basis. Amen. Now we get into the fifth image. The fifth image is the visiting father. (laughs) The visiting father. Now, the visiting father is the father who no longer lives with his children. He is most often the divorced husband who tries to keep in contact with his children by visiting them during visitation hours or when they're available. Now, he is not the villain like the deadbeat dad or the deadbeat father because he does provide for his children. He remembers birthdays and recitals and basketball practice. But the visiting father cannot raise his children because they are not in the same household. He can only call around and visit Now, despite his great efforts to take care of his children from a distance, this image also contributes to fatherlessness in the nation. And this is why, from a child's perspective, not the parent's perspective, from a child's perspective, visiting and fathering cannot be the same thing. It is the unity of the home and the intimacy of daily contact that a child needs. When a husband and a wife divorce, the husband often ends up divorcing his children, too. So visiting fathers are what we call disempowered fathers because a father is one who lives with his children. It is the father's authority in the home that derives out of his presence as a loving protector. So when a father is reduced to the role of a visitor, his status as a father is changed and it is undermined. Number six. Hmm. The sperm donor father. (laughs) This is what we got out here, (laughs) y'all. This is what we got out here. (laughs) We see him on a daily basis. The sperm donor father. Now, the sperm donor father, (laughs) to him, he's already complete his fatherhood prior to the birth of his children. To him, fatherhood is all about spreading his seed And nothing more he doesn't know his children he doesn't spend time with his children he is the originator of the child but he also contributes to the issue of fatherlessness in the nation and unfortunately it seems as though this image of fatherhood is increasing across the nation (laughs) now don't laugh y'all with this last one (laughs) but I know y'all will This one I had to group, they they are grouped together, which is the stepfather, the nearby guy, and the boo. (laughs) The stepfather, the nearby guy, and the boo. Okay, I I grouped them together, but they, they stand in their own image, and I'll explain them to you. Now, the stepfather, The nearby guy and the boo are what we call our substitute fathers, okay? They fill in for the biological fathers of the children that they care for, at least two of those do. Now, even though they fall in the same category, like I say, they are somewhat different, so we're gonna start with the stepfather, okay? Now, the stepfather is married to the mother, and he lives with the children, but the children are not his. He is more committed to caring for the children than the nearby guy or the boo. Now, the nearby guy does not live with the children, but the children may see him as a father figure. The nearby guy may be a family friend, might be a neighbor, might be a teacher, a spiritual leader, a pastor, a coach. He is the adult male who is prepared to take a fatherly interest in a fatherless child. (laughs) And now we got the boo. (laughs) That's what's out there, y'all. We got the boo. Now the boo is the one that is just sexually interested in the mother but wants no connection with raising his own children, neither someone else's kids. He's only in it for the sex. Come on. (laughs) Somebody gotta say it. Now, these are the images that we have of fathers across the nation, and we wonder why the last scripture in Malachi emphasizes that the hearts of the fathers need to be turned back to the children. The orphan generation that is emerging today is a broken hearted generation. Many young people have had fathers that have let them down, who have broken their promises, who have failed and forsaken them. So what happens when a person like this enters the church and becomes a Christian? What's supposed to happen is that it's supposed to be the beginning of a lifelong journey of healing. And the church has a huge responsibility to help the walking wounded, in which I call them, to come to a place where they can truly call God, Abba, Father. Amen? Now, I want to share with you some classic orphan projection scenarios or issues women have when dealing with the orphan heart. Now, when I say projection, I'm talking about the forecasting of an image based off of the study of future events. And basically, from there, what I'm saying, it says the image women cast on God as father based on the relationship they had with their fathers. The seven... Projection issues, which I call the seven Ds. Now, these are the seven projection areas women have for having these types of fathers that I just went over with you. Number one, desertion. Desertion. Now, if you have been abandoned by your father, it will be very easy to embrace a toxic belief that your heavenly father will abandon you. So you relate to Jesus as your brother, but you can't relate to God as being your father because of the fact that your father abandoned you. Amen? The second one is disease. Disease. If you have seen your natural father, your natural father deteriorate, and become weak and unable to love you because of sickness, then this may also affect your image of God the Father, especially his all powerful nature to heal and to restore. Number three, detachment. Detachment. If your natural father was detached emotionally from you, you may find that you lack intimacy with God the Father because you have projected onto him the picture of your earthly father's lack of demonstration of affection towards you. Number four, death. 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 If your natural father died when you were young, this may affect your image of God the Father. The root of much recent, actually atheism, lies in the unresolved grief and internal rage over the loss of a father. Number five. Distance. Distance. If your natural dad was always away from the house, maybe on important business matters, you may have a picture of God the Father as always distant or doing something more important than attending to you which, what, affects the spiritual relationship. So you see him as somewhere up in the sky, but you don't ever see him as coming down to help you out. Number six, divorce. Divorce. If your natural father left you because of a divorce so that you were brought up by your mother alone, You may have a father void that leads you to appreciate the maternal, but not the paternal aspects of God. So you accept the blessings and the love of God and the protection of God, but it's hard for you to receive correction. It's hard for you to receive pruning. It's hard for you to receive rebukes. And it's hard for you to mature because of this. And then number seven, disappointment. Disappointment. So, if your natural father made promises to you that he never fulfilled, like promising you a gift, promising to be at your event, and he didn't come through on the promise, you may develop a view that God the Father cannot be trusted neither his word and it will be hard for you to enter into the rest you also may work too hard in an effort to do what to provide for yourself because you've been disappointed and this is what we call a classic example of a daughter with an orphan heart and a slave mentality because not only is are you not able to connect to God because of the dis- a disappointment? But you also work so hard because you don't want nobody else to disappoint you, but you rely upon yourself that it turns into a slave mentality instead of, like I said, entering into the rest of the finished works of what God has already given you. Now we get, we're getting more into the more spiritual aspects of this towards almost the close of the message. We're gonna look at the biblical perspective, the need for spiritual fathers. We looked at natural fathers and saw what they did and how they affected us and how that portrays the image of God the Father. And now we're gonna look at the need for spiritual fathers. Amen. Amen. And we're gonna start, I have two versions, two different versions that I'm gonna read starting with the amplified version. And this is 1 Corinthians 4 and 15. And it reads, For even if, and this is uh, Paul, For even if you were to have 10,000 teachers to guide you in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers who led you to Christ and assumed responsibility for you. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the good news of salvation. Now, I like the message verse. You know the message verse. is going to break it down. (laughs) The message version says, I'm writing as a father to you, my children. I love you and want you to grow up well, not spoiled. There are a lot of people around who can't wait to tell you what, you're do- what you've done wrong, but these aren't, there aren't many fathers willing to take the time and effort to help you grow up. It was as Jesus helped me proclaim God's message to you that I became your father. I'm not, you know, asking you to do anything. I'm not already doing myself, amen. Now, we're going to get into a little background, and we're going to move forward with the need for spiritual fathers. Now, ancient Corinth, in which 1 Corinthians we're talking about, so we're talking about the Corinthian church. Ancient Corinth was one of the most commercialized cities in actually in its day. And the reason why it was a commercialized city because a lot of the shipping between the east and the west actually came through this city. And it also came um, with that because of so much shipping that came in through the city from the east and the west. They had a lot of multiple cultural influences in that city that actually affected the population of the city. Now, Corinth was also known for its sensuality, for prostitution. According to the history regarding the city, the lowercase god of that city was Aphrodite. Now, Aphrodite, so I keep hearing people say this, Aphrodite is the goddess of love. No, she was not. (laughs) Aphrodite was the goddess of licentious love meaning promiscuous and unprincipled in sexual manners, sexual behavior and conduct that was offensive to God with lewd sexual acts. Now, in Corinth, being that Aphrodite was the god in that city, before the apostle Paul and the disciples came in, of course, to establish the church, There were a thousand other prostitutes that would actually serve in the temple dedicated to her worship. Now, given the spiritual climate, of course, of the city, you can imagine the issues that arose actually within the church. So it is interesting to know that it was to this particular church that Paul addressed the need for spiritual fathers. There were many teachers who clearly taught doctrine in the city, and the gifts of the Spirit was in that church, was it not? (laughs) The anointing was present amongst the believers. Yet, despite this, there was an obvious absence of genuine fatherhood, and as a result, there were cultural issues that infected the body of believers. So Paul recognized these issues could only be resolved through what? Proper spiritual parenting. So sadly, we see the same moral issues in the church today. And no doubt the need for true spiritual fatherhood is necessary today. Now, let's get into some deeper things. Now, the word father that the apostle Paul used, he, taught, he said, I became your father in the gospel. The word father in scripture that we just read in 1 Corinthians 4 and 15 is the word pater in the Greek and is translated as father's parents are those who are mature in God. It is a word derived from a root word that also means nourisher, protector, upholder, one in the advance in the knowledge of Christ, one who stands in a father's place caring for spiritual children. Paterine speaks of those who have spiritual stature and spiritual stability. And this is kind of funny because before we started the church, Oh my God, I would get these flood of dreams, flood of dreams of me and my husband in our house and we just have like tons of children just running around in the house. I would just dream after dream, after dream, after dream. So this word, patterines is also speaks to those who are grounded in the word and the spirit As well as those who are stable, those who are wise, and those that are not easily moved. It also means those who are governed by the Spirit and God the Father and given the authority to lead others that they may also govern well. Now, let me give you a quote here by John MacArthur. John MacArthur wrote this. He said, what do tender-hearted mothers and loving fathers have in common? The motive that drives them is a desire for their children's maturity and well-being. But the role is different. The mother tenderly nurtures the infant. The father is the principal guardian and guide. So there are commonalities and differences in the roles of a mother, And a father, yet the father has been given first responsibility to establish the identity and the destinies of their children, amen. My next quote to you is by Billy Graham. Billy Graham said, a good father is one of the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed and yet one of the most valuable assets in our society. The greatest quality of a godly father is to be present in the home. So let's go back to scripture. Paul made the comparison. Remember, he made a comparison. He said, you have many instructors, but you don't have many fathers that assume responsibility for you. Now, let's go to instructors. Instructor in the Greek, patagamos, means boy, girl, leader, tutor, schoolmaster. An instructor is simply one whose occupation is teaching. He or she is one who disseminates information assists the students in assimilating that information in order to put the information to use. Spiritual fathers, on the other hand, are the ones who seek to transform children into mature sons and daughters by investing a deep personal impartation into their life. They may teach But their goal is not to simply have smart children who speak well and are well learned. They want sons and daughters who are living in their full potential and pursuing their God-given destiny. The Apostle Paul made it very clear to the Corinthian believers that he was not their teacher. He was their spiritual father. So, the father heart was evident in the Apostle Paul in his letters to his spiritual children. And we can see that through the scripture. He spoke of Timothy as my dearly beloved son. And that was in 1 Timothy 1 and 2. And he also said it in 2 Timothy 1 and 2. And then he said this of Titus. He says, my own son after the common faith. And Titus 1 and 4 his heart for sons and daughters was clearly seen in his epistles he was constantly encouraging them to grow into full maturity he acknowledged their identity he affirmed their value and their worth he spoke blessings over them He prophesied over their destinies. He continually made mention of them in his prayers. He interceded for the highest and the best to be manifested in their lives. For more than one occasion, he prayed without ceasing for his spiritual offspring. And then he set the example of a spiritual father to follow in the church today. Spiritual fathers, meaning apostles, that's what I'm talking about recognize the gifts and the strengths of their children and they spend time with them to develop them. They steward these gifts with patience and wisdom as the children grow and they develop maturity. They make sure that the gifts are tempered with love and grace as not to be used selfishly or pridefully. Spiritual fathers also intervene to address weaknesses in spiritual children, and they also assist the children of God to overcome their weaknesses and become spiritually mature and healthy. Amen. So, in my closing, we will not accept the cultural lie that natural fathers are not needed in the home to raise children. Amen. We will not accept the cultural lie that spiritual fathers, meaning apostles, are not needed in the church to mature spiritual children. Amen. And we will not accept the spiritual lie that the new wine message that God is your father is not a message that is needed to heal the broken hearted nation. Amen? Amen. So the same way natural fathers mature sons and daughters, it's the same way apostles mature spiritual sons and daughters that are born again. And that is the same way that the message of God being your father takes nepios children and matures them into we are sons and daughters through sonship by the way of healing the orphan heart. Satan has an agenda. Okay, everybody, Satan has an agenda. And that agenda is to eliminate fathers in the home, to eliminate spiritual fathers in the church, and to eliminate the message that God is your father to the nations. But not here at Divine Generation. Thank you. Thank you. Not here. All right, let us stand and pray. I always like to end with a song for healing purposes for those who.